one of the most fascinating human beings I know in my world, traveling evangelist, best-selling author, seven-figure entrepreneur. I have with me Manny Arango. The goal of communication is connection. It's not to say all the stuff in your head. When we're in a room and a masterful communicator is talking and we leave and we feel transformed or we feel uplifted or we feel motivated or we feel encouraged. Well, there's actually psychology and skill and expertise that goes into that happening. This year, you said that you you probably preach 50 Sundays. 48 Sundays, probably 200 times on stage this year. What are some principles that applied both in that context that would apply in speaking in front of thousands? Oh my gosh. Okay, so. Welcome to the department where we interview people who are killing it in their department. It's Omar Tsukori, and I have with me one of the most fascinating human beings I know in my world. He is a traveling evangelist, a best-selling author, seven-figure entrepreneur, and he's currently getting his doctorate. I have with me Manny Arango. Yo, how you feeling, fam? Dude, this is tight. Dude, I'm really excited about the studio, the space, talking to you. Yeah. Like, this is a highlight for me. Um, I would imagine that, you know, not many people, I, I said all these things that make you fascinating. You're really good at all these verticals and I want to get into them, you know, individually, but could you just talk about a little bit about, um, who you are, what you do just so people know and kind of get a, okay. I'm a Bible nerd. I would say like, I like that's that. the fundamental thing that I feel like I've mastered in my life mm -hmm. or that I've given myself to master. I it think it's. Is that what your doctorate's in? What? Yeah, my doctorate's in New Testament. Okay. Uh, so my undergraduate degree is in biblical and theological studies. My master's degree was in Bible. And then my doctorate is in New Testament. And That's crazy this, how extensive it can go, isn't it? Oh, crazy? my God. There's no end. Yeah. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm even thinking about continuing with school. But that that's okay. like, there's this really, really cool verse in Genesis 49, right? And it says that uh, it's this... Jacob is kind of giving like prophetic words to his 12 sons. And one of his sons is Benjamin. He says, Benjamin, you're a ravenous wolf. You devour your prey in the morning. You divide your plunder at night. So you devour and then divide. And when you say like, okay, like traveling evangelist, entrepreneur, like all that stuff, that's like a diversification of like skill sets but that's not possible until you first like devour mm. in the morning. And so I think there's a lot of people they're trying to do like 15 different things, but they haven't mastered one thing yet. That's good. And actually it doesn't ever feel like I'm doing 15 things. It just feels like I'm doing one thing in multiple formats. Right. And I feel like if you just ask me, what's the one thing that I've just mastered, it's learning how to communicate biblical ideas. That's it. Mm. And I can do that through books. I can do that through an e-learning platform. You know, I could do that on stage on a Sunday morning. I could, do, I could do that in any way, shape, or form. And it's like there's lots of weeks, right, where, like, I'll be writing a paper for school, and then I'll take that paper for school, and I'll turn it into a sermon, and then I'll take those sermon notes and turn it into a chapter for my book. Wow. And I'll take that chapter for my book and turn it into notes for my online platform. So... I'm not doing like, you know, 15 different things. I've just honed in on one thing. I know how to communicate biblical ideas. And that one thing 
it's like dope. Let's let's turn it into mm. as many things. Because there's some people who will sit down with a book, but other people need a video. Other people right. need audio. It's no different than you saying to me, "Hey, if you're gonna do a podcast, do a video, do a video, right, and then separate the audio." It's not extra work. It's still talking in a mic with a person. You may as well throw up some cameras because you're not doing more work. You're actually just being a good steward yep. over the work that you are doing. I love that. And I would say I started preaching at 13, and I've fallen in love with God's word. And I think that the Bible has something to say to every single person. I think it has something to say to Christians, non-Christians, Republicans, Democrats, you know, liberals, conservatives. The Bible has something to say to every single human being on the planet. And my job is just distilling biblical truth and making it really easy for people to understand it. And that's good. I just so happen to do that. Yeah. In tons of different ways. So I would say there's so many verticals that's that people are doing that very thing, distilling something into a a form that people can then digest better. Mm-hmm. I would call that a thought leader. That's, yeah. that's what a thought leader is. You, yeah. you take the time to consider maybe formulas or frameworks and and in that you make it easy for other people. And yeah. we can get into what ARMA is, which is your subscription model, Bible, you know, education uh, platform. But, you know, you mentioned you fell in love with God's word as a teen, uh, with God, God's word as a yeah. teenager. How do you fall in love with God's word? I have, I mean, I have my journey with that. Yeah, you know, it, it was an exposure to the interpretation of His word. Yeah, when, when uh, my bio, my youth pastor showed me how to properly interpret scripture. Yeah, I just fell in love with. It. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, and I just was like, until somebody showed me that, it wasn't until I fell in love with His word. But I'd like to know what was that for you? It was definitely a journey. Okay, so the moment where I fell in love with God's word wasn't like actually falling in love with the word, it was falling in love with the benefits of his word. Mm. And and I eventually fell in love with the actual Bible. Okay, so I remember being 12 years old, okay? A um, little bit of my story, background for me. Uh, my dad was incarcerated for 18 years. Uh, my mom was pregnant with my oldest sister at 12 years old. Wow. Pregnant again at 14. Um, my dad took me to a crack house for the first time when I was five. Okay, so rough upbringing okay and so uh i had a pastor who just knew how to contextualize the gospel okay mm. so our church in the hood and uh her, her pat my a guy that i eventually started working for name's pastor andy comes to our youth group and says okay how many is all black kids in this youth group okay and obviously i'm one of them so he's like hey how many of you um know what child support you know what alimony is you know what child support is I mean, dude, 80% of our, our hands go up, right? And uh, he's like, uh, how many of you guys, like, your mama is mad at your dad right now for not paying alimony? And, you know, a ton of our hands go up. And then he goes, all right, how many of your uh, families are poor? You know, 12 years old, I absolutely know what that means. Like, I'm like, hand up. And he goes, all right, I'm going to tell you why your families are poor. Okay, I'm going to tell you why your dads are poor. He's like, oh, last question. How many of your dads have multiple baby mamas? Hands up. Okay. He's like, all right, I'm going to tell you exactly why your dads are poor and why. um, And Oh, sorry. Last question. 
He goes, and how many of you right now, you're sexually active? And so a bunch of our hands go up. And he's like, all right, so, cool. Let's get into this. He's like, so, so uh, your dads are probably doing the exact thing you're doing right now when, when, when they were your age. So, like, the, the way that, like, you get to multiple baby mamas and, like, broke and, like, can't get out the hood, like, the way you get there is, what you're doing. is like, having sex at 13. Like, that's how you get there, okay? Th that's where this road leads. And he goes, let me tell you why your dads will always be broke. Because it costs a lot of money. Like, let's say you got four kids by four baby mamas. It costs a lot of money to provide four chickens for four baby mamas for four kids. He's like, but guess what's cheaper? If you got four kids by one woman who's your wife, way less expensive to provide for those four kids if they're all by one woman. He's like, so... We're going to do an abstinence challenge. It's like, and, and I know none of you are mature enough to love Jesus yet. You're not going to be absent wow. because you love Jesus. So just forget that. He's like, but how many of you want to get out the hood? All of our hands go up. Dang. And he's like, all right. So since you all want to get out the hood, let's do this. Let's keep your pants up. And your zipper zipped. Let's let's keep it in your pants. And I remember from that moment. That's wild. Like into adulthood, I was. It wasn't until I got to college that I was like, oh no, I can be sexually pure because I love the Lord. Mm. First Timothy has this really cool verse. It says that the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation, which means that wisdom actually can come before salvation. And a lot of times I think the church wants to just offer people salvation. Hey, come give your life to Jesus. Come get saved. That's obviously really important. Let's right. not mistake how important and vital that is. But sometimes I think we withhold wisdom until after people are saved. Like, they're not going to understand until they're Christians. And it's like, ah, no. Like, Dave Ramsey is actually just saying, hey, this can make you wise. Like, if you learn how to, like, get out of debt, manage your finances, you don't have to be a Christian to, like, access this wisdom. That's good. Here you go. Here's wisdom. And now this wisdom becomes an on-ramp to this highway called salvation. That's good. And I remember being 12 years old and going, oh, this thing called the Bible, it has something to say to me. It's relevant to, like, my situation. And... What that dude did, he took something that I thought was boring and antiquated, and he made it relevant. Good. That's the job of a communicator. They take something that's on paper in a book that I don't think has anything to do with me, and they become the bridge to making it something that has the ability to change my life. And I made a decision as a 12-year-old that absolutely altered the course of my life. I'm the only Orango, I mean, that I know of that's never served prison time, that's a pastor, that's in ministry, that owns property, that's wealthy, and that had kids after marriage, not before. Mm. Like, I changed the trajectory of my family's lineage because I had a youth pastor who made the Bible relevant for me and contextualized it for a bunch of kids 
who knew what alimony were yeah. was in middle school. That's wild. And I remember falling in love with the scriptures that day. I mean, just going, okay, if that dude got that advice from that book, <laughs> bet. I'll read it. And from that day on, it was, it was over. Game over. Within a year from that point, I started preaching. I mean, it was, it was, I was set That's on a really course good. to do the same thing that I saw Pastor Andy do, like crack open the Bible and, 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 and you could watch scales fall from people's eyes, like as truth got exposed to them. And I went, yeah, I'm hooked. I, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Have you ever wondered to yourself or asked yourself the question when you watch my content, how the heck does Omar's quality of video look and sound so dang crispy? It's literally the number one question I get asked, whether it's privately in the DMs or people commenting on my videos on Instagram or even on YouTube. The reality is I believe the quality of videos that I've been able to produce has been the recipe to my success online. And I wanna give you access to my live document where I've listed out everything I use, both for the podcasts I create, to the YouTube videos I make, as well as to what I use for my smartphone to make it look and sound amazing. The reason I put it on a live doc is because I keep this document updated in real time with everything that I'm using. So just head over to thevideodep.co forward slash crispy, or just click the link down in the show notes. Let's get back to the conversation. That's so good. That's crazy how much you remember everything about that moment, yeah. you know? Because a lot of times we remember how we felt in the moment. We know kind of like what went on in that moment, but like, it looks like it's it's so vivid in oh, your yeah. memory. And it's funny, I, uh, I, the other, someone who's also in ministry, Pastor Erwin McManus, or Erwin McManus. <laughs> no, but he said he, he pursued, he, he was on a pursuit to just be, have better character. And that pursuit led him to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it was so it wasn't like he found Jesus and then his character changed. It was like, no, he was changing his character. And then it was like, oh, wow, this guy is the ultimate example. Absolutely. And and so like what you say about uh, what, what Timothy says about how the wisdom could come first and then the, salvation. The scriptures make you wise unto salvation. So good. I think sometimes the church thinks that the thing that we're exporting is truth. But really, sometimes the world doesn't want our truth. Mm -hmm. But I think if we were to change our export to wisdom, I think the world does want our wisdom. And Dang, I think that's really good. we could kind of offer truth once people get hooked on the wisdom. And I think sometimes we try to throw those in reverse. We want to offer everybody truth. Uh, and the, the reality is that if you talk to anyone who's not necessarily identifies as a Christian... They are they 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 don't they they don't like what is truth you know yeah but everyone wants wisdom everyone That's so good. every single human being on the planet is like yes tell me a wise way to be a mom yes tell me a wise way to be a husband yes tell me a wise way to manage money yes tell me a wise way to manage my business like the reason that we listen to podcasts is a because we either want to be entertained or we want wisdom and so I think capitalizing on the world's desire for wisdom mm -hmm. is something that I wish the church did more. So more. good. It makes me think about a friend of mine who's in business and he's been coming to City Light a couple of times. And I would say, like, dude, I don't think he knows the Lord yet. Pretty yeah. sure. But the dude's loving it. Like, yeah. I was on the phone with him yesterday <laughs> yeah. and he's like, dude, Omar, does, does Jabin preach like that every week? <laughs> I was like, bro, every Sunday. Yeah. 
And um, he's like, it's crazy. Like that dude got fired up. You know, I was like, no, nah, it's awesome. He's like, I literally watched the sermon again. I was yeah. like, dude, that's awesome. He's yeah. like, I think I'm going to bring Whitney, uh, which is his wife, you know, again. And it's just been, it's so, like, I'm, I have the patience to know, like, it'll work. Like, the dude loves, he loves coming. He loves yeah. how it feels. But I know he's getting so much wisdom. Yeah. And and that, that the truth will come. And I think that's really good. All right, can you define wisdom really quickly? I oh, mean, my you know. gosh. Okay, so the Bible does a better job of defining wisdom than I ever could. Um, and, and so there's this, there's this interesting, I'm gonna get nerdy. Okay. Um, so when you think about wisdom, I want us to think about being crafty. Okay. So what does it mean to be crafty? It means like, I'm a little devious. It means like, I'm like, my wheels are turning in my brain, but it also means I'm like good with my hands. Right. So like crafty kind of means like I got some schemes, I got some, I got some tricks up my sleeve, mm. but I could also go down to Hobby Lobby and like bust it down. You mm. know what I'm saying? So when the Bible shows us wisdom for the first time in the Bible, it shows us a serpent in the garden who in Hebrew is described as a room. That's the Hebrew word. And it means that he's crafty. And Jesus then says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be as crafty as serpents, but as innocent as doves. Mm -hmm. And the wisdom that God wants to give you is then in Proverbs, it's called the fear of the Lord. So, okay, what's what what does craftiness have to do with fear? Okay, cool. It's like, I want you to think Adam and Eve get deceived by this serpent, and then they're scared. So the fear came after they wow. made a mistake. The fear of the Lord is not just to be scared of God, but it's to be scared the way God is scared, mm. which means he's not scared after something happens. He can predict what's going to happen and then operate in that fear in the present, even though the mistake isn't into the future. So the fear of the Lord is to say, whoa, I'm not going to be scared after I cheat on my wife. No, 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 no. I'm going to foresee that if I cheat on my wife, I'll lose my kid. I'll lose my family. I'll lose my business. Mm -hmm. I'll lose my ministry. I'll lose credibility. And now I'm scared now, even though I've never done that. That's good. I'm scared at the thought of doing it. I don't need to do it to be scared. So like Adam and Eve, they're scared after craftiness has deceived them. But we want to be crafty so that we kind of reverse that and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm all that fear that I would feel if I did make that mistake, I feel that now. So if somebody asked me what is wisdom, I would say foresight. Mm. Wisdom is foresight. It's having the ability to go, oh, okay, we're in the middle of COVID. Wisdom says buy Delta stock. <laughs> like foresight. Like I can see where this is going. God's given me discernment. And, and then so... In Proverbs, that craftiness, that devious, that like, okay, I can like put this together and I can get creative. Like I can like build businesses and I can figure out how this is going to make money. Like I've got foresight, like that thing. That's really good. Don't just let that live up here and don't use that to deceive and trick. Use that to roll up your sleeves and actually put some crafts together with your hands. Like... Get all that creativity and don't just let it live up in the clouds. Let it get in the dirt. 
and do something with your life. Build. So like the first people who are given a spirit of wisdom in the Bible, they're building this thing called the tabernacle. And so for biblical authors, wisdom isn't just like heady philosophy all day. Like we're just mm. going to wear our robes and debate Socrates and Eric. No, no, no. Wisdom is, Paul says, I'm a wise builder. So like, you know that I'm wise because I built a building that could sustain storms. You know that I'm wise because I built something that can last the test of time. That's wisdom. And wisdom has the foresight to not just build because it's a passion project right now, but it, it puts cultural values into the foundation of what's being built because we don't just build on impulse. We're building something that we want to pass on to our children and our children's children. Like, if, if you ask me what it means to be wise, it means to take the ideas of creativity and foresight and fear and, and like innovation, and you put all that together, and that's like what the Bible is saying about like wisdom. Dude, I love you that. You do that. You get your hands dirty, and you go to work, you work hard, and you roll up your sleeves and you get to it. You, you freaking build. And um, you embody what it means to be a builder. Mm. Like one time I was, you know, the, I was asking this young guy about his life, I was mentoring him. And, you know, he was telling me about some dating decision. And I went, okay, well, well calm down. You're telling me about the bricks. Like, but where's the blueprint? I was like, you, you don't know whether or not this girl's a good person to date. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have blueprints yet. Like, you're trying to figure out, does this brick go here? And I'm trying to get you to back up and go, well, what are the blueprints of the building? And he's like, well, I don't. I don't have blueprints. And I'm like, yeah, until you get some blueprints, put the bricks down. You'll never know if this is a good girlfriend or a good mate or a good business partner or good anything until you like figure out what's the vision for my life. Like, what does the architect have to say about like mm -hmm. what I'm building? And so anyway, that's, dang, good. that's yeah. a huge I just think metaphor. there's there, there's a connection to the doing of of the thing that you're gleaming on yes you know it's that it's knowledge if it's not applied but when it's applied it becomes wisdom absolutely yeah no and dude and you embody that i feel like you you're not only a hard worker but like it's something you talk about a lot in your on your instagram and sometimes on your stories like just that dude if you're a dude trying to date and you got no job it's like bro what are you doing i don't know what you're doing and i've known you since 2019 and dude you've been grinding bro like and it's respect because it's cool to see all that has happened yeah. from your wisdom, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, and one of those things is you are a you're diligent at the craft of communication. And this year, you said that you you probably preach fifty Sundays, forty eight Sundays, forty eight Sundays. 52. Some of those forty eights are three times that day, four yeah. times that day. Yeah. Sometimes you got a midweek or a conference for sure. So you could say that this year you'll probably you probably have spoken. Yeah, and that's not counting preaching on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're like, what, well over 200 something? Probably, probably 200 times on stage this year. And they say that, um, a th what is it, like a 30-minute, you know, sermon is it's equated to It's like the equivalent to an, an eight-hour workday. Right. In terms of 
your body's exhaustion. It's crazy. Yeah. So number one, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Just want to first ask you that. But like, okay, but you've been preaching for a while. I started Dude, preaching at 13. 13. I've seen you. I've seen how you move a room, um, how you're able to just get up on stage and you have this ability to like immediately in a really short amount of time, get them going, uh, open up their hearts and then, you know, deliver a sound message. Could you just talk real quick about some of the biggest mistakes that newer creator, uh, newer communicators are making? Oh my gosh! Like on stage. Yeah, on stage. I mean, I would imagine, and we could we could even go like I think I think preaching is much more. I would I would call it difficult, skillful. Um, like it, there's a lot more to preaching, in my opinion, than like professionally communicating or speaking for sure at a at a conference or what have you for sure. So I think you have some so much to say about just these nuances, but let's start with the mistakes. Like if you want to be a professional speaker or whatever, listen, but I would like to know from you, your, your observation. Oh boy. Okay. I'll tell you one of the best things I did as a young communicator is I found, not even I, my youth pastor found what I would call low risk environments for me to preach at. Mm, what, does so, that, what did that mean? Okay. So first, this is like, I'm I'm 13 years old and I'm like, yo, I feel called to preach. Mm. And my youth pastor's like, bet, like, uh, meet me at my house 6 p.m. on like Thursday night. So I'm like, yo, he found a youth conference for me to preach at. Like, he booked me at some like event. Like, this is about to be dope. I got like dope kicks on. Like, I, I like, <laughs> I'm 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 excited, you know. So anyway, we we um we get in his car and we drive like a couple miles like from his house and we pull up to a juvenile detention center and we get out and he's like, all right, let's go. And I'm like, ah, uh, this is not like, like what I had in my head. And anyway, so from that week on for the next like two years, I'm preaching a juvie wow. like every other Thursday. And so then I, you know, I'm probably like 15 or 16 and I'm like, Hey, like I, I feel like I could handle adults. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's step it up a little bit. And he goes, okay, bet. Meet me at my house Sunday morning at like 7 a.m. So I get to his house 7 a.m. I'm suited. I like, I got a dope suit on. K and G. I don't know if that's even still a thing. So what like, is K and G real quick? Bro, buy one, get one 50% off suits. <laughs> okay. Like K and G is the gym. All right. Anyway, uh, so I'm at his house 7 a.m. I'm thinking he's about to take me to like Mount Zion Baptist Holiness Church. He's about to take me somewhere. We drive another couple miles down the street and we roll up to a nursing center, no nursing home. Wow. And so he's like, you want adults? Here you go. Here's a nursing home. And so we get out the nursing home. And so for the next, I, I preach at that nursing home well into college. And he would start doing what's called like a preaching game with me. So we would be walking into the nursing home. And he would say, okay, hey, we're going to preach on the 7th floor, 8th floor, ninth floor. So we got three different groups of old people that we're going to preach to. Wow. And you're going to do the same text, but three different messages based on the same text. Or wow. you're going to do the same topic, but you're going to do three different passages of Scripture on the same topic. And he would give me the topic. So we'd be walking into a nursing home, and he'd be like, all right, you're going to preach on hope. And you've got from now until the time we get upstairs to find three different passages on hope. And you're going to preach passage number one on the seventh floor, passage number two on the eighth floor, passage number three on the ninth floor. On and on and on. Like, I mean, and so by the time I preached for the first time at youth group, 
Oh, dude. Like, first of all, I've been preaching at juvie <laughs> and nursing homes. Like, like no cameras, nothing live stream. It's it's what's called a low-risk environment. There's there, there are people on oxygen in here. Like, like no one in here is like <laughs> saying anything to my classmates. Like, my reputation's not at stake. It's just an environment That's good. with actual humans where I can get at bats. And I think a lot of times people are so hungry for like a microphone and a stage, they don't realize mm. there are opportunities everywhere. Wow. And you you may not actually, actually a microphone and a stage too early is actually not helpful. Uh, like right now, I'm I've determined that golf is gonna be my hobby. Let's go. It's not right now, but I've determined <laughs> it's gonna be. And everyone that I talk to says, "Hey, get lessons before you go golf. Mm-hmm. Like, get lessons first, because you don't want to have to unlearn bad habits. Right. Just go ahead, buy a pack of six, ten lessons, and that should be your way to start golfing." And I think a lot of times what happens with a lot of communicators is they end up getting on stage with a microphone and, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So, like, they're getting amens. They're getting people to, like, tell, like, that was great, son, you know, but they don't understand. They're making tons of mistakes. Yeah. And actually, if you had a mentor in a nursing home or a mentor in juvenile detention center, you'd do way better than an I also grew up at a church with a youth group of 750 kids. Wow. So youth group was not a low, you know, risk risk environment. Youth group was like youth youth group was you and it was like it. the 90s. So it was yeah. like fire and like freaking <laughs> smoke. Like like youth group was freaking dope. So those low risk environments were everything because practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent. Mm. And so I got to live with like right there with Mr. Miyagi. I got to like talk, get feedback, talk, give feedback, talk, give feedback. And, um, that's good. I think, you know, those first sermons were five minutes, seven minutes, Mm. 15 minutes. Like, Whereas if you're so hungry for a microphone and a stage, you'll jump into a 30 minute slot and and just and just make everybody put up with the fact that you don't know what you're (laughs) really doing. And we've all been in church listening to people just kind of figure it out. And I go, you know. I've never, because then, of course, I became the youth pastor, and I had all these young people in my youth ministry that I thought had a call on their life to communicate. Mm-hmm. I've never rolled up to a nursing home and asked them if they would be willing to have, like, some 15- and 16-year-olds come volunteer on a Sunday and them say no. Dang. Never. Never. No nursing home director has ever turned me away. And then it's like a character test, because then it's like... You, da- you you ready? You I da- think we want sexy instead of effective, though. Mm. I think we we want we're. I think my fear is that 
we've we think that real life is happening online. And so if I can't post about it, then it's not it's not worth it. But the reality is that everyone saw David kill Goliath. No one saw him kill a lion and a bear. Wow. And there's gotta be some stuff that nobody sees. Like there just has to be wins right. that you get that builds your personal and private confidence before we just stick you up on stage and think, yeah, like, yeah. And I think also sometimes in church space, we think as long as we're anointed, we're skilled. And that's not true. You could be very, very, very anointed, called by God, graced by God, and just not have skill. Yep. Just not have turned a gift into a skill. And to me, raw gift is great, but a skill, when you are skilled, you can perform that gift tired, jet lagged, hungry, stressed, whatever. Whatever's happening in life, you have enough muscle memory. So now that skill is not dependent on whether or not the people at that church on that particular day are in a good mood or whether or not the worship leader got the atmosphere right or yeah, like matter. That's good. a skill just means I could show up anywhere, anytime, to any room, any context and deliver because I've turned my gift into a skill. And now that skill no longer has all these variables that sometimes gifts have. Gifts have tons of variables. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and I think the place to work out that gift is, is uh, in practice. So That's good. Like, even today, like, and I don't want anyone to be offended by this. I, I don't mean this. I hope that no one is offended by this. Like, you know, there's, there's an admin on our team who takes in all the speaking requests. And, um... They know, like, at least 15 times a year, Manny's going to want to preach at a church of, like, 50 people, 100 people, because I'm cooking. Like, that's – I keep low-risk environments on my calendar. That's good. And if you pull up on a Sunday at, like, like you know, Mount Zion, fire-baptized – Church of God in Christ, whatever, like in random city, like you may be like, man, like I, I'm pretty sure, I, like, is that the same man? He was like at Elevation or at Social or at City Light. And I'm going to be like, yeah, because I got new content that I'm experimenting with. And I'm not going to experiment with new content on big stages. I'm going to experiment with new content in environments that remind me of that nursing home that remind me of that juvenile detention center. That's really good. And like keeping those, that's what the great comp comedians do. Right. Dave Chappelle. They'll just show like, up at a random. Yeah, they're club. not just doing Netflix specials. Right. They will show up at a random hole in the wall, like, you know, spot, and they're cooking. And I think you got to figure out is where's the kitchen? Like, yeah. There's gotta be a kitchen somewhere that's a low risk environment. I, I, that, you got me thinking about the low risk environments that I've been able to operate in. Um, first one would be small groups. Yeah. Like we're just, we're, we're, you know, either either I'm distilling what was said on a Sunday or I'm bringing a thought. Yep. And it's just, 
it just allowed me to 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 work on that you know and then like me overseeing groups at city light i've literally for the last five now going going into six years have been taking the sermon on sunday and 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 then putting it in a different way that could be used in conversation yep and just like that constant like dude nobody sees that yeah and and like now i've i've spoken more than i ever have in yeah. in different sectors but I think about those moments, and I'm still doing them. Yeah, and and um and then even just like the the low risk environment is also, you know, what you do in your mind and when I'm creating content, mm -hmm. right? Like just just rehearsing in your brain or listening to sermons and uh, other people communicate, but w not watching what they're saying, watching how they're saying it. Yeah. Um. No. So I just I I think about those moments and how it, it's not by accident. You know, someone's a great commuter. I would actually argue. No one probably ever was a great communicator by accident. No, it is not by accident. Who would be some of your favorite communicators to oh watch my and study gosh. right now? Favorite communicators. Bishop T.D. Jakes. Pastor Robert Madu. My pat. I moved. So here's a here we go. Here's free advice. I was living my life very happy in North Carolina. When we met, I was living in North Carolina. The year we met, I probably had done 70 speaking engagements that year and was successful. And sometimes people ask me, why did you move to Dallas, Texas? And I said, because the best communicator that I personally knew mm. was starting a church in Dallas, Texas, and I just wanted to be around him. I wanted to be around Pastor Robert Madu. And they're like, so you moved your family and your wife and your <laughs> kid all the way to Texas just to be around a communicator. And the moment someone asked me that question, I'm like, oh, got it. You don't get it. <laughs> got it. Yeah. You, you don't get that, like, my first Sunday or my second time ever preaching at social, Pastor Robert in the green room in five minutes was like, hey, don't ever say that again. Switch that. Close it to the opener. Do this and this. And in five minutes, doctored my sermon to which I preached it again that second service and was like, oh, yeah, bet. The advice that he just gave me in five <laughs> yeah. minutes in between the first two services, I can now figure out how to give myself that same advice on all my other sermons. Let, let me now <laughs> watch all these other messages. It's like this past Sunday. No, two Sundays ago, I preached at Social. And Pastor Robert's in the building, and he heard the first service, and he was like, man, it was great. I was like, all right, give me the real feedback, like, any anything that like I need to change for the next one. He's like, ah, he's like, it I would really just be nitpicking. And I was like, but that's please the nitpicking is what gets you to the next level. Right. And so of course he nitpicked. Game check. Like, I mean the difference. The, okay, can you just say what he nitpicked? Oh man. Just one or two things. Um well for well, I'll tell you one of the things that he said the very first time I preached social. Good, yeah. He said Hey man, you do this thing on stage where you say like boo boo, and he's like, "Hey, you will preach at youth conferences for the rest of your life if you keep doing that." Dang. He's like, "Is it funny because it's like it's low key correction?" I mean, it's correction. Oh yeah, he was like, he was like, "You can do that." He's like, "But <laughs> you'll be like forty five years old still preaching at youth conferences." <laughs> That's funny. So like, if you want to get picked up in the church van, like by a youth <laughs> pastor. And, like, take it out to a campsite somewhere to, like, go talk to some kids who smell like Axe body spray. <laughs> Keep saying boo-boo. Like, like, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. He's like, but, you know, 
Like, if you want to be taken, like, seriously. Yeah, that's good. And if you want to um, brand yourself as an adult communicator, as someone who, he's like, because it doesn't make sense to be in a doctoral program and saying boo-boo on stage. Wow. He's like, I don't think that that reflects your brilliance and your intelligence. That's good. It sounds like you are trying too hard to relate and whereas actually what we want to hear from you is like what did you learn Over in there. your doctoral program <laughs> man like and that's it like that was the last day i said boo-boo on stage wow Ev like ever i never said it again I it got eradicated from my on-stage vocabulary and that was it mm. D done and this other thing is always just like he's a stickler on like your openers. So like a lot of times with sermons that I know my openers are like really rehearsed or like really smooth. Uh, but when I'm like figuring out a message, I'm a verbal processor. So this is also a conversation between me and him. He's an introvert, which makes him an internal processor, mm. which means that he, he, it's unfair. <laughs> he, he has an unfair advantage. He's able to process all of his thoughts and words on paper, and then he gets on stage, and it actually lands wow. the way that he wanted it to mm -hmm. as he was mapping out his message. I'm an extrovert, so I'm an external communicator. And so my thoughts aren't 100% clear until they are out of my mouth, which is a problem <laughs> if you talk on stage for a living. Yeah. And so that is also one of the reasons that I've kept low-risk environments in my itinerary. If I know that about myself, I don't need to try to pretend like I'm someone I'm not. I'm mm -hmm. not an introvert. I'm not an internal processor. Therefore, I have to be intentional about getting that verbal processing happening before I get on stage because I am a verbal processor. That's good. And that, I would have never had language for that outside of me and his relationship. That's really good. I think that, you know, I'm 36. And it's like, at 31, 32, 33, 34, it's like I watched my friends go plant churches. And while my friends were planting churches, I decided to move to Dallas to be around what I would say is the best communicator in our generation. And I'm totally cool, like, not planting a church until I'm 40 because I decided to spend a solid amount of time with a master communicator. Mm. And the time that I've spent in Dallas has helped make me into a more thoughtful, I'm also a, a, a way more thoughtful communicator. So, like, another thing, right, like, that... Uh, I've changed. Uh, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. Okay? So, like, Northerners, eight on the Enneagram. Brash, honest, like, and shock value on 10. So, um, one time, you know, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm in a relationship series, and I'm preaching at social. So Pastor Robert calls me on, like, I don't know, the Friday before Sunday. And he's like, hey, Manny, just want to let you, just want to reiterate, you know, do not say anything, like, shocking 
Don't say anything that you think will go viral. We, we Like, just don't, you know, yeah. tact. Tact. And I would describe <laughs> Pastor Robert as, like, an insanely tactful communicator. And he's like, there's an example of, like, um, he's, he's describing lust on stage, but he never says lust. And he's like, Manny, just think about all the extra work that has to go into communicating to not say the thing that will make you go viral, but to make everybody think about the thing wow. instead of saying it. And so this th two Sundays ago, I preached at Social, and I did a message called God Loves Pharisees. We're in this series called God Loves Dallas. Or, sorry, we're in a series called God Loves Blank. Fill in the blank. Yeah. And, and the first week was like prisoners, and the second week was you know, LGBTQ plus, and the next week was like addicts. And so my week came up and of course I'm like, Hey, for everyone who felt like they didn't fit in the first, second or third week, haha, <laughs> my, your week is today. Mm -hmm. It's God loves Pharisees. If you don't, if you can't see yourself in the addict, if you can't see yourself in the prisoner, if you can't see yourself in the LGBTQ plus community, then guess what you are, you're a Pharisee. And so am I. And so I start talking about personal convictions becoming universal standards. You know you're a Pharisee if you have a personal conviction that now you want everybody to live by. Mm. And, you know, there's this concert that you just think is ridiculous. And, you know, you know everybody, everybody from a particular hive is going to be there. And you, you just think, oh, I can't believe everybody would go to this concert. And I start talking about this concert that you have a personal conviction around. And, of course, I'm talking about Beyonce. Everyone in the room knows I'm talking about Beyonce, but I never said the word Beyonce. Mm. Prior to being around Pastor Robert, I would have I just would have said it. I'd have been like, yeah, like a Beyonce concert. I just would have been the eight on the Enneagram from Boston. But I did the extra work of painting a picture instead of saying the word. Dude. Because good preaching shows instead of tells. And I learned that in Dallas. I learned that the extra work that goes into painting an internal picture inside someone's mind is better than saying the word for shock value. That, that's, that's, and some of that's just caught. Some of that's like, some of that, you can't get that by like, and I know, you know, we live in a world that is like, yeah, I'm gonna have a coach here and a coach there and a coach there and like be like, but some of that is just, no, like, my family attends this church. We tithe at this church. Like, this is the house that I'm at, and, like, I'm planted in the soil. And, like, mm -hmm. yes, like, Pastor Robert's not just, like, a coach. He's, like, He's my pastor. pastor. And, like, there's, there's, so good. there's convictions that I have because I've sown in to the soil of, like, this church. And so there's no better decision than the last three years that I could have made as a communicator than like moving to Dallas. I, I remember like I literally gave Pastor Robert's address to my realtor and was like, find me a house within five minutes of his house. Like right now I live three minutes from this man <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, Dude, I, so I've moved here to be around you. Like the Sundays that I'm in town, I'll listen. I'll, I sit in both services in the first service, I'm listening, like, as a communicator. In the second service, I'm listening for my soul. Like, yeah, 
So good. Masterful communicator. That was just a preaching masterclass in 10 minutes. So TD Jakes, Robert Madu. Oh boy, Tim Ross. Tim Ross. What about Tim Ross? Tim Tim Ross is actually that like like Tim Ross will just say I got, the I, got way, I got bread in my pocket. Yeah, like like <laughs> like and that resonates with me. Okay. But Tim's ability to be revelatory, like here's a passage of scripture, and I'm gonna communicate this passage of scripture in a way you've never heard. That like I'm gonna give you wisdom to make you wise into salvation. I feel like he has mastered that. But I will listen to Tim Ross preach anywhere, anytime, at any event. Also, I was 18. It's funny how like Tim Ross has become like no like repopular sure yeah when i was a teenager he was the guy tim ross was the guy so i'm old i'm 36 when i was a teenager every your conference wasn't a conference unless tim ross preached at your conference like your conference was whack unless tim ross was there like he was the the guy that's cool and so i remember hearing tim ross preach at like 11 12 13 14 years old and so to, so I've sometimes when you've been listening to someone preach since you were a teenager, their voice and their content just like resonates with yeah. you. And I feel that way about Tim. Like cool. if I sit somewhere, like I was at Transformation Conference last year and immediately I was like 14 years old again, like listening to, to Tim Ross. That's so cool. th- those are probably be my top three. Do you have a white guy? Like who's, who's like killing it? You know, and Bishop, that the, it doesn't do you, do you preach, preach. It do you could, know it, Bishop Kevin Wallace? I don't. Do yourself a favor. Okay. Bishop Kevin Wallace. He's white. Good. He's, he's real white. Uh, what about Brown? <laughs> not like me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you don't have to force it. Oh, well, dude, if was, they're not there, they're not there. Um, who do I? No, that's that. That's, that's your top three. Fantastic. I want to know your top three. My top three would be Bishop Jakes, my pastor, Pastor Robert, and then Tim Ross. Fire. Okay, so you, you were talking about how low-risk environments for communication, a place where you can talk. It could be, dude, it could be start a meeting. It could be like what you did. Go to go make it like a community service type of uh, way to do it uh, because that's what's actually being magnified is you serving and, and doing it. I say all that to say, what are some principles that applied both in that context that would apply in speaking in front of thousands? That the goal of communication is connection. Mm. It's not to say all the stuff in your head. It's like, um, you know, this is great Mike Tyson quote. Like, everybody has a plan before a fight until they get punched in the face. And then you have to learn how to pivot. Everyone's got notes until you get up on stage and you realize this isn't going well. Mm. And then you are forced to either stick with the notes and die... Or deviate from what you wrote down on paper to actually connect with people. Which failure then teaches you, then I have to write notes with the mindset of not what do I think, but how do I connect? Mm. That that's the goal. Not, well, what does the Bible say? But what connects with people? When my youth pastor at 12 years old got up to talk, he didn't say, everybody pull out. 
First Corinthians, like he said, who in here, who knows what alimony is? First words <laughs> out of his mouth. Who knows what alimony is? Which means he knew who he was talking to. And I think that sometimes we love the scripture so much that we don't love people. A love for people makes you go, okay, great. People need Brussels sprouts, but can we put some bacon in them? Yeah. Like, can we get some pickled onions in there? Can we like, can we cook them in a way that they taste good? And that is thinking about content with people in mind. Mm. How, what, what is going to make the average person or my audience care about this truth or this wisdom that I have and going, yeah, my job is to connect. So I may have done all the exegetical work on a passage of scripture, right? I found all my observations. I got points. I've got the truth. I've got, I know what I'm going to say. That doesn't mean I have a sermon. Mm. I don't have a sermon until I, I call it a SIM card. I, until I've got stories, images, and metaphors, okay? A story, because if people could just access truth by themselves, we would just hand out Bibles at church, have quiet time, and then dismiss. Yeah. The, the point is to bring the Bible to life. Mm. And what brings the Bible to life? Stories, images, metaphors. Jesus didn't only preach expository. He didn't only say, you've heard it said, but I'm telling you the truth. That would be expository. Like, hey, you heard it said in Leviticus, you've heard it said in Deuteronomy, but let me give you a, a, a fresh insight on the law. Dope. No, he also said, Come on. yo, the kingdom is like a farmer. The kingdom is like seed being scattered on thorny ground and shallow ground and oh, and by the side of the road and the kingdom is like a mustard tree like why is jesus going through all this trouble to create imagery and metaphor why is he like mm, there were two there was a dude who had two sons okay and one of the sons went and spent all his dad's money. But the uh, why? Why is Jesus going through all this trouble? He could just be, he could just say, Y'all are legalists, y'all are Pharisees, yeah. and you don't know, you don't know the father. He could have just said that. But he creates this entire parable. Why? Because the goal is not just to tell the truth. The goal is to connect with the audience. The goal is for the audience to get to the end of the parable and go, dang, got me. He lightened us up. You got me. The goal is to play checkmate with the room. So I always do this thing as a communicator. It's called an affirmation bias. The first five minutes where I get up on stage, I'm, I know that everyone's going to agree with what I have to say. Okay, so I write my sermons with my audience in mind. So if I'm preaching at a women's conference, I know how to get amens. If I'm preaching to Republicans, I know how to get amens. If I'm preaching to Democrats, I know how to get amens. Preaching to black people, I know how to get amens. <laughs> preaching to white people, I know how to get amens. The first five minutes of my message is a big, huge, we love this guy. He's saying all the stuff we like. Amen. There's this passage I do this with where I'm like, man, ain't it crazy how God 
could could God's never in a catch 22. So the people of Israel have the armies of Egypt behind them, the Red Sea in front of them. Mm. And then God miraculously parts the Red Sea so that they go in they go through on dry ground. That's crazy that it's dry ground. That's actually a little weird because if God rolled back the sea, it should have been mud. But the reason that it's dry ground is for the same reason that my mother makes me take off my shoes when I go to her house because she doesn't want me tracking my past into my future. Ain't it crazy Come on, that God can miraculously make the ground dry? Well. Ain't it crazy? <laughs> and see, now we're going to get amens. Yeah. Ain't it crazy that you don't look like what you've been through? Isn't it crazy mm. that you're not tracking Egypt into Canaan? Isn't it crazy that God would miraculously not just make the sea go back, but go through the extra effort to make the ground dry Fire. so that you're not tracking footprints into your future? Man, and now at this point, everyone's saying, amen, yes. And here's the master's trick. Here's the communicator's trick. But God can make the sea beneath your feet, the ground beneath your feet dry. But when you get out to that wilderness, he can't make your taste buds not desire the food you had in Egypt. Ain't it crazy that the same God that we're so happy he made the ground dry, that same God doesn't mess with your taste buds. So Numbers chapter 14 says that the rabble among them out in the wilderness, they start reminiscing about the food that they ate in Egypt, mm. that God can control your footprints, but not your taste buds. And so now what have we done? We've shifted the room. I got you to say amen, and now... You're too far along the path of agreeing with me to turn back. <laughs> I've just gotten you to agree with me so far that now, so I've That's done this so with, with my young people, right? This is back when I was a youth pastor. My kids started watching like MTV, like the same shows that I watched when I was a teenager. It's interesting how, you know, things just come full circle. So they started watching uh, Catfish, which is a whole show about people pretending to be people that they're not. Right. And then tricking people into falling in love with them. And so I went through this whole episode of Catfished, right? Showed clips. It was great. Dude, black dude named Deshaun was like, I'm in love with this girl. Like, I'm in love with Aqualina or whatever this girl's name is, right? And so the 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 producer, like, do you love Aqualina? And Deshaun is like, I love her. Oh my gosh, we're soulmates. And they're like, Are you ready to meet her? And then Deshaun's like, I'm ready. And they're like, you sure you love her? And he's like, I love her. And then they open up, they meet at a park, and then she is not 120 pounds. She is 280 pounds. <laughs> she don't look nothing like her profile picture, right? She is, she's catfished him. Then the producers come back out, like, Deshaun, do you still love her? And he goes, no. <laughs> no, I don't love her. Why? Because love requires truth. Mm -hmm. So the reason that he doesn't love her is because you can't build love on lies. And now I naturally just go into, so all of you want love, but none of you want the truth. And you've agreed with me too much to go back now. You can't make a U-turn. We're already here. I've used confirmation bias. You've given me too many amens 
to turn back. At this point, now I can rip apart your entire worldview that thinks that you can build a world of love without a world of truth, mm. which is the world that we live in. A world that says, I can identify in any way that I want. I can define who I am as an individual, even though I'm a created thing, and not rely on the definitions that the creator has given me. That Now that I've done away with truth, guess what I've also done away with? The potential for love. And in a culture that has idolized love and torn down truth, a simple episode of Catfish actually shows us that that world is an unwise world, that that is a figment of our imagination, that if I'm going to have love, that truth is a necessary requirement. Did I come out of the gate on minute one talking about, see, what's wrong with y'all worldview is y'all think y'all can <laughs> self-identify? No, that we ain't. Whoa, 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 whoa. Show me some clips of Catfish. Get me to resonate with Deshaun. Mm -hmm. get, get, get me there. And this is the art of persuasive communication. So this good. is the same reason sales works. Right. It's, I'm not just rolling up to you like, hey, man, here's a Rolex. Like, no, there, there's actually like, there's, there's persuasive technique that goes along with getting an audience to agree with what I have to say. And so that just, hey, amen, 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 amen. I agree. Wow, this guy's great. Wow, I can totally relate. I love what he has to say. And then uh, I don't say anything that would cause an audience to not like me for the first 10 to 15 minutes. Never. I'm never stepping on toes in the first 10 to 15 minutes of being on stage. That's good. I'm never going to withdraw out of an account that I've not deposited into. And most of the times we think that's what, when we're in a room and a masterful communicator is talking and we leave and we feel transformed or we feel uplifted or we feel motivated or we feel encouraged, we're like, man, I, that's so cool that that happens. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, there's actually psychology and skill yep. and expertise that goes into that happening. Because if you give someone dessert before their entree, they don't want it. Mm. I've been at restaurants tons of times where I've ordered an appetizer and it just comes out too late. I'm like, yeah, never mind. You can take the coconut shrimp back. <laughs> like, I'm good. Because an appetizer is supposed to be given at the time where appetizers are appropriate. And a lot of times, the number one thing I find with bad sermons is you gave dessert first, then an appetizer, then an... Like, this this was the right content, just out of order. Dang. Like, if we could have just rearranged this, it's not that you had bad ideas. It's not that you had bad truth. It's not that your product was a problem. Your packaging was a problem. Mm. And the way that you presented this stuff was an issue. And man, good food on like an ugly plate is, 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 it ain't a good meal. Right. And I've learned to really dial in the process of getting an audience to agree with me. 
Dude. Or getting an audience to sign up for Arma when I'm done talking. Or getting an audience to buy my book in the lobby when I'm done talking. All of that is how do I write this content with an audience in mind? And how do I lead them down a path that by the time they get to the, an altar call, they're way too far down this path of agreement to turn back? Mm. And I think that is, and obviously, even when we don't do that well, the Holy Spirit makes up right. for the difference. There have been tons of times where I've botched the whole process and still do an altar call, and people still come because God's kind and the Holy Spirit cares about building his church. So, Dude, um, so yeah. good. I love that so much. Uh, so Arma, Arma is... Something you've been building since, what, 2018, 2019? No, 2020. Oh, for real? We built it in response to hundreds of young adults deconstructing at the church that I was at okay, in so, North Carolina. So if you didn't know, Arma is a subscription and I'll, uh, platform, but I'll put a link to it in the description, um, where you can learn how to uh, read the Bible. You can yeah. learn a little bit more deeper concepts and uh, precepts and things like that. And it's really cool that you're offering this because I would say it's, there's not much resource out there that is accessible. Yeah. And, and you're making it so accessible and relevant. Um, but this is a, in, in essence, an entrepreneurial, you know, journey. Absolutely. That you're building something, you're making hires, you're, yeah. you're, you're getting people involved. And I kind of want to unpack that a little bit. We were talking when I picked you up from the airport about how like you felt like it was you it was like the like ministry kind of puts this guilt in the in in making money yeah when i mean i think it's biblical to sell i i, I think you know deuteronomy says god's given us the power to create wealth yep in what i mean what other way you want to define wealth um but to establish his covenant so like the point is to build his you know uh kingdom yeah but beyond that uh, I just want to know, like, what what have you discovered about you being a kingdom uh, entrepreneur and building a business that is now, you know, mul multiple six figures? And yeah, right now, Arma brings in about forty to forty five thousand dollars a month. It's incredible in, in recurring revenue, and um, that number. If you had told me that number three years ago, I would have been like, you know, sign me up. Um, I remember we were a year in and we were barely at 200 subscribers and, uh, me and Elijah, my right hand man, uh, were, he was just giving me the numbers and he was like, we should stop doing this. <laughs> this is like not fruitful. Um, and, uh, I learned a massive entrepreneurial lesson right there. Okay. So we're a year in, we're only at 200 people. It costs more to run the platform like Kajabi costs like 400 bucks a month and yeah. to pay Elijah costs money. And like, we've already like, we, you know, the videographers that are editing the courses and all the stuff costs money and it's not making any money. And so Elijah's just giving me the numbers. He's not saying we should shut it down. He's just giving me the numbers. Um, and my wife overhears the conversation. I'm having this zoom meeting in the kitchen. My wife overhears a conversation where we're debating whether or not we should shut it down. And my wife says, that doesn't sound like a good idea. And I'm like, oh, like why? And she said, um, 
two, two things. Number one, if you shut it down, how will anyone believe in your brand mm. from, from now on? Like, if you stop, don't you think that's going to have more damaging effect on people trusting you? Like, here's this dude. We signed up for a subscription, and it's, it's supposed to go yeah. until <laughs> forever, and now it's not happening anymore. It's like, actually shutting it down would be damaging to your brand, which, A... My wife's never been to business school or anything like that. A, she's saying there's a value in in just keep it going. Keeping it going. Yeah. That that brand that for someone to trust in a brand means that they're trusting in longevity. Second thing she said, um, which mind blowing, is um Paul says of we have faith, hope, and love. And the strongest of these is love, okay? And so my wife says, you know, you start something with faith that it's going to do well, and you hope that it's going to do well, but even if your faith is disappointed and your hope is disappointed, you do it because you love it. Mm. So faith, hope, and love. So Come on, T. E you, yo, just like we do stuff with the faith that one day it'll make $40,000 a year, with the hope that it's going to make a difference in the lives of people. But you you started this because you love teaching people the Bible. Mm -hmm. So just double down. So, so then I just went, okay, I'm convinced. Like, we're not going to shut this down. So if I'm going to do it, it can't be bad. So then from, year, from the end of year one to the beginning of year two, we finally got to 1,000. Wow. So on our second year birthday, we celebrated hitting 1,000 subscribers. What'd you do differently in the second year? I thought to myself, if this was a free resource that every new member of my church got when they became a Christian, what would I make? Wow. And so we just, we just did one course called a 30-day journey. And in 30 days, you could become biblically literate. And it was That's a 30-day journey. It was a 30-day challenge of spend 12 minutes with me every single day for 30 days. And I promise, whether you're a seminary student or fresh off the street, or whatever, in 30 days, I could get you biblically literate in 30 days. And, and I started, again, thinking about my audience. That second year, we put out like a homosexuality course, which was super helpful for parents and youth pastors. I also realized, yo, if you go to seminary, you get homiletics courses. Mm. Why am I not teaching people how to preach on the armor platform? We also realized 65% of the subscribers were pastors. So we're like, okay, the people we think we're talking to are not the people that we're actually talking to. I listened to an episode of How I Built This, and there was an episode. You listen to How I Built This? Mm -hmm. There was an episode with the dudes from Airbnb, and they were like, they didn't know how to fix the platform until they visited the first people who had listings on the site. And they realized, oh, people don't know how to take pictures of their property. Oh, people, like, and they, like, went to New York actually helped people with their listings. And then I, I just started calling up people who were subscribers wow. and being like, hey, like... What can I do? Yeah, like, what courses do you like? Which courses don't you like? Like, I stopped thinking I was someplace I wasn't. Like, I wasn't at the place where I couldn't, like, 
think about these people. Like mm. I actually, like I started to learn people like Chris and Jasmine. Yeah. And and their son Xavier, who go to City Light. Yeah. Like I started to learn the stories and names and people that were subscribing. Wow. And it's crazy how when you love what you got, God trusts you with more. Mm. And now from the end of year two to year three, we hit, we went from a thousand to twenty five hundred by our uh third birthday. Mm -hmm. And then before this year was over, before 2023 was over, we hit 3,500. And so it's like you start growing faster and faster and faster. But going back to, okay, I have faith that this will make a lot of money. I hope it'll make a difference. But I love what I do. I love the work. I love sitting down with a new book of the Bible, figuring out how to communicate it to people. I love doing that. And I think the love for it was being choked out by the faith and the hope wow. that it would make money or make a difference in people's lives. And my wife helped me to get back to, yeah, but you may not be able to control the outcome, but you can control whether or not you're just going to be faithful. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad we ne we've never we never ran paid ads, right? Amazing. And... Um, I'm glad we didn't because it, it, and along the way, there have been people who wanted to like invest, like, hey, for 10% or 20% of the company, like, we'll invest whatever dollar amount. And I'm glad I didn't, like, I'm glad I didn't take steroids. <laughs> like, 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 I'm glad we just got in the gym. Yeah. Because what we have figured out through trial and error, like, what works, what doesn't work. So that when new employees come on, we're able to go, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like that new idea that you have that you think is gonna like be the golden ticket. We tried that a year ago. Like, and I'm not saying that your idea is a bad idea. I just want you to know what didn't work or why it didn't work. Like I feel like we've just learned. That's good. And um, yeah, three years ago I wouldn't have described myself as an entrepreneur. Like, but the reality is that. During COVID, I started a project in my garage <laughs> with one camera and two kids from my youth group that I made come to my garage <laughs> to film me teach the book of John chapter by chapter. That's cool. And fast forward three and a half years later, that little project in my garage is um, December of 2023 will be the last month that it's in the garage. Dude. January of 2024, we Had we uh, move into a studio space, um, and our team will officially be at six employees. So cool. And, um, so Dude. yes, there. Dude, I mean, you say that like 2020, you were. I mean, you were an entrepreneur. I mean, creatively, dude. You, you when you preached at City Light in 2019, you preached a, a different message at night. Both times you preached the message, you had like a lead magnet. <laughs> You're like, yo, yeah. just take this home with you. I got this seven day Devo and yeah, you're collecting yeah, yeah. emails. Yeah, yeah. It was like maybe you knew like there was something that you were gonna do or whatever. But I mean, I I, I just think it's so cool. I, I do have the question from like a genuine curiosity standpoint. Like, why did you go the subscription route? Okay. As opposed to like pay, 
you know, maybe f like for a year's worth or once you pay, you're good for, I mean, cause like there's, there's so many ways you can go, you could have went about it. Dude. So there was a, there was another platform in our space doing what we were doing called Theos U. Yeah. And they're, they're still in our space. We're about half their size and, um, we just copied everything they did. Fair. That's it. That's the answer. Like, like they were charging 13 bucks a month, so we made our thing $12 a month. Like, our first website looked just like their website. Like, I was like, yeah, man, like, I'm going to just do whatever the heck they're doing. You know? So that's it. That, that's if, – if they had – if they had Some been charging other. per course, we probably would have charged per course. Shout like, out! Shout out to Nathan. Finocchio. Shout out to Nathan Finocchio and the Theos U team. Like, yeah, that's cool. But that's it. That there was no additional thoughts. It was literally, hey man, like, there's a thing called Theos U, and I just thought, yo, every Uber needs a lift. Like, like, there can't just be one thing mm -hmm. in this space, and um. And yeah, let's 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 go after it. Like, let's do it. That's cool. And so they were the only model that we kind of had. And I just felt like I did believe like, yo, we want to lead people on a journey. And we do want. Yeah, I, I it's the same reason why, like when I ran a conference, I didn't let people just sign up for night sessions it was like, no, you gotta, you, you gotta pay for the whole conference or not. Because mm. I felt like God wanted to say something through the whole event, and you needed to like buy into the whole thing. So I, I definitely thought like, yo, um, there's, there's like, if if someone sticks with us on this journey, so so here's a cool thing, we launched. I guess this was pretty entrepreneurial. We we didn't have any money when we launched, so. I did this thing called Founders. So like yeah. the first 100 people to sign up, they just had to bill annually. So instead of paying $12 a month, it was $120 yearly. And I'd reached out to the Bible Project, and they had these cool coffee table books. And so I just told them, like, I would love for you to just ship me 100 of these for free. To which these people said, okay. <laughs> a couple months later, a massive pallet a shipment of like a hundred coffee table books just shows up in my garage. And so we were like, Hey, if anyone becomes a founder with Arma at $120, we'll send you a coffee table book. And so we, that's how we got the influx of cash to like start Arma. Mm. That's how we bought our first cameras and lights and stuff. So after the first year, when we hit a thousand subscribers, we gave Arma to all those founders for life for free. Dang. Like, that's cool. so those first hundred people, um, I still send those first hundred people like, like videos every couple of months. Like they get, yeah, I'll always be grateful to those hundred people who sewed the first right. 120 bucks times a hundred for us to like get off the ground. Um, I did the same thing with my, my coaching program. Oh, dope. I mean, it was like an unreal offer. Um, and I sucked at selling. I didn't even know what I was doing, but, and I just said like, Hey, you're going to help me figure this out in yeah. this year's time. And it's just been so cool to see 
even just their their feedback. People who've joined other programs and said like, dude, you you got it. You like you're you're just right there. Yeah. Just figure out this or like you know if you could figure out a way to do this. It's just been so cool that people who bought into something um, also you know helped it become what it what it's gonna be. And Absolutely. Yeah, it's just really cool. And I'm I'm wrapping up that year right now. I got two more calls with them. Yeah. And it's like it's surreal. I've been thinking about it for probably the last three months. Like, dang, we every Tuesday showed up on a Zoom call, handled their questions, gave them, taught them something, told them what I'm doing, uh, something I'm learning, and um, and I've been thinking about like what's that next thing for them because like they it's like they'll they'll always have a special place in my heart. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Like, yeah, those are we call them our founders. Yeah. And um just just so if you're listening or watching just a cool principle if you're starting something new people like being a part of something new. Absolutely. So give them use that that verbiage and um it'll help. Um, give them ownership. Yeah, right. It's an identity, it's ownership. It, it it and it creates culture. Yeah. Like every time we're like those those are the people they want to know where I'm preaching so they can pray for me while I'm on the road. Mm. Those are the people who like, like, uh, there's a couple, th their founders. And um, when it, my first book came out, they reached out to the publisher and bought cases of books Dang. for everybody in their church. Wow. Like, I showed up to preach at their church, and everybody at the church had my book already. Got a copy. Because the whole, they bought copies for the whole church, you know? Like, like, you have no idea what what you do means to other people. Mm. And along the journey, I've learned that like entrepreneur is um is not a is not a negative word in any way, shape, or form. Right. There are people who are proud, like that you're creating jobs and creating something out of nothing. And and that you're using the gifts that God's given you to 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 generate income and to generate wealth. That's good. Yeah. I heard this that like the word generosity comes from the word generative. Yeah. Which means to like produce. Produce, yeah. And that a form of generosity in building a business causes you to produce so that it can afford absolutely you know people to have a, a a life in yeah and do what they love to do and yeah it's it's really cool how like it all works hand in hand absolutely yeah. i i was i was you know what you're, it's funny you're helping me you're holding up a mirror because you're right i've been entrepreneurial even before launching arma back in 2019 you know i have adhd so i have zero administrative <laughs> skills right and in 2019 like we got 70 speaking engagements out of nowhere. In 2018, we had done 28 speaking engagements. So we moved from 28 to like over 70. Wow. And so I just needed to hire an admin. And the church that I was a part of was on a spending freeze and I couldn't hire an admin. So I was just like, bet. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I gotta find like one of these young adults. I just gotta pay them myself. So like, but they still need to have like a church email and all that. Like they came to a church staff meeting with me, <laughs> but they were literally just like my employee, like that I was paying. Yeah. And so, um, the the this girl that was handling all the speaking engagements, um, I found out that she was like living on her friend's couch, and I was like, mm. "What do you mean you're living on your friend's couch?" She was like, "Well, you know, I can't afford an apartment right now." Da -da 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 -da. And I was like, "Okay, cool. Well, we gotta pay you enough." to get you off that couch. 
And so then when I started praying for speaking engagements, I wasn't praying for more Instagram followers or for more notoriety or for me to be popular. I wasn't praying for anything that benefited me. My prayer was, Lord, and my magic number, like when we first started, was like, if I could just make $10,000 a month, like from speaking engagements, man, that would be, mm -hmm. that'd be insane. Uh, and so I was like, yo, if we make $10,000 a month, I could pay, at the time, I think I was paying this girl like $1,500 a month. I was like, I'll double what we pay you. We can get you off the couch. And so my prayer was like, Lord, like for real, for real, God put my name on the minds of, of whoever's making decisions mm. for youth X at elevation. Cause we got to get homegirl off the couch. Yeah. Like my prayer is no longer like anything selfish. And I think sometimes like that, that generosity, like that, like there is no supply cause there's no demand. Mm -hmm. And you put a demand right. on, on the marketplace. You put a demand on God. You put a demand on the heavens to open up and provide for you because you have, like, been generous with people. And part of hiring people for me has, like, I, I always want to have more vision than I have provision. Mm. I always want to hire people in faith that we're going to grow. And... I want to be generous towards uh, anyone that we bring onto the team so that God then has to, in turn, be generous towards us. Not because I'm out here, like, flexing, <laughs> like, because of the business we started, but because we are, like, paying it forward. So, it's really anyway, good. generosity, that's real. Yeah, that's so good. So, I mean, I feel like you are operating in, like, such, like, a full you know flow i guess you could say like in 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 the will of god for your life what what is like your next goals ambitions Woo! what would you like to do next year next year next year honestly my goal for next year is to travel less and it's it's this i think we're at this tipping point where it's like the more this year I, I really did do a good job of inviting people to join ARMA after every sermon. Mm. So that meant we grew this online stream of revenue um, in direct correlation to traveling and preaching. And now I think we're at this tipping point of if I continue to travel, now there's courses that won't be created. There's like, mm. like there's that. YouTube content that won't get made. Like, right. Being on the road takes a lot of like energy right. and um and a lot of time. And and sometimes like I'll get back to Dallas and because I was gone for like two or three days, the number one priority is wife and my son. Mm -hmm. So like I'll get back home and my team wants answers from me <laughs> or wants time or wants coaching or whatever, but it's like like you know, let's say I get back home on like a Sunday night. Well, Monday, Tuesday is Tia and Theo. And so by the time I get to my team on Wednesday, I'm gone again on Friday. Right. So it's like, yeah. if y'all don't get what y'all need on Wednesday and Thursday, I don't know, 
what you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm out again, you know? And I think that, that, that rhythm needs to get healthier. Yeah. And if I were to slash travel by 50%, right? If I were to double my honorarium and cut travel by half, it wouldn't affect our number, like our, in, our revenue. Yeah. But it would give me bandwidth to focus. Like right now, I think Arma should have like printed like like uh bible study guides and journals and all but that stuff requires me to like yeah dial in you know what i mean yeah like this past year with arma i recorded all 12 courses because we dropped one new course a month i did all the courses from january to march i filmed every single course in three months never touched arma again for the rest of the year and then just promoted it on stage at every single speaking engagement. Wow. So I have not shot a course personally yeah. since March of right. 2023. Yeah. And so I did three months of work, which then lets me and my team eat for the next nine. Yeah. And so, which then means, dang, we don't got a YouTube channel. <laughs> Yo, we don't, yeah. got a, we don't have a podcast. We don't have this. We don't have that. And I go, golly, we'd probably be able... The amount of subscribers that I get from being on stage, I could probably funnel those subscribers from online spaces yeah. if we were actually making the content in right. those online spaces. And so. and like because what's cool about when you're on when you're on stage, obviously there's a there's a buy-in and you know people are are warm, you yeah. know, and it's so it's easy to convert them. But but you can't do that at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning. And that's what's cool about doing this stuff. Yep. Is like you over time that compound growth will it'll be a 24 hour sales cycle. Exactly. As opposed to having to be on a platform. Exactly. Yeah. Like we know right now, right? Like if you looked at our growth chart for the year, it's every Sunday. Mm -hmm. We it's like you can look at every Sunday and be like, <laughs> oh, a hundred new subscribers there, two hundred new subscribers. Like, like you just look at look at the Sundays. And I think if I'm looking at 2024. I'm going, uh, we, we gotta, it's not an either or it's creating a more cohesive ecosystem. Yep. Um, and again, do half the amount of speaking engagements, double the honorarium. You're still at the same revenue number and probably speaking engagements that, and, and better is a very subjective word. But speaking engagements that are more aligned with the audience that is probably going to convert right. anyway. So that's good. That's probably if I'm looking at next year, I'm going, yo, we got to take TikTok seriously. We got to take YouTube seriously. We got a podcast for like yep. we got to do some of these things that I think will actually make Arma stronger. And then I'm always looking at our churn. Like I'm always looking at who's unsubscribing. How, like, what is our rate? Like, right now, we're at a 12, I think 12% unsubscribe. And I'm trying to get us down into, like, single digits. Like, how, do you, how do you bring that down? I think our onboarding needs to be better. So we know right now, if someone signs up for Arma and they start watching a course from us within three days or within a week of becoming a subscriber, our average... Uh, lifespan on that subscribers like 24 months mm. if someone doesn't log in 
like in the first week or the first month or the first three months, bro, they're 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 at they're gone. They're either gonna cancel before six months or they're gonna cancel when the annual mm. uh renew thing kicks in. It's like or they're gonna get charged after a year and send us a angry email. Yeah. Like, yo, I forgot that I signed up for this thing. But if somebody like let's say they get a subscription on a Sunday because I'm, you know, on stage somewhere. And then they start watching a course that night. We got them. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, and so fixing a lot of those a, like drip emails, really like cool. fixing a lot of that, like, hey, someone became a subscriber. How do we get them to watch a course? Yeah. Like right now. I think, I mean, I think of two things. I mean, you didn't ask for it, but I think something quickly goes in the mail and it's like great places to start. Yeah. They get the, so they get a physical yes. thing. Yes. Doesn't even have to be super gnarly. Could you be like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll probably start there. Ah. Um, and then I think another thing is like, like ranking up that customer service piece where what if every person got a phone call and there's just a touch point and like, that's incredible. That's just something someone just spends their time calling people. Yep. And seeing people who even haven't checked in. I don't know, yeah. whatever. I just, I feel like it's just touch points. That's the only thing is just a touch point. They'll probably give them some buy-in. I love that. Yeah, but dude, thank you so much. That was, that was a masterclass on communication and a masterclass on uh, bootstrapping a business. And <laughs> Bro, uh, talk about bootstrapping. But dude, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly grateful I could call you a friend and um, excited for tomorrow at City Light. Uh, but can you let the people know where they could find you and find your stuff? And we'll be sure to post links down in the show notes. But uh, go ahead and Manny Arango on all platforms. So if you find me on Instagram, I'm at Manny Arango. I respond to every single DM. So that's like my claim to fame. Boom. I don't respond to every text message, but I respond to every single DM on Instagram. Um, and from Instagram, you can find Arma real easily. But if you just want to go directly to Arma, it's armacourses.com. And you teach preaching in that course. Oh, yeah. All right. There's three preaching courses on that course. All right. I've got Ten Commandments of Preaching. I got a homiletics course. Then our original e-course that started everything was a course called Speakeasy. Tight. Um, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I remember all these things. It's so cool. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate you. Dude, love you. Thanks for having me on.